All right, welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Batch. I'm Julia. And I'm Becca. We're best friends and lifelong Star Wars fans, and this is a Star Wars The Bad Batch fan cast. This time we're reviewing episode 9, Bounty Lost. This review is meant to be spoiler-free, so join us after you've watched the episode. So if you like story... And you like Star Wars, then stick around. In this episode, we pick back up as the Batch is escaping from Crosshair and in search of Omega. Omega, meanwhile, is stuck on bounty hunter Cad Bane's ship while he receives instruction from the Kaminoans on where to collect his payment and drop off the bounty. Luckily, she leverages the situation and escapes right as they arrive at the drop location. In another game of cat and mouse, Omega flees from Cad Bane and contacts the Batch, though they are powerless to help her. Bane's plans are thrown into flux with the return of Fennec Shand, and a fight ensues, and Omega learns of the Kaminoan's plans for her. Okay, let's jump into our plots for this episode, of which um, we get some, and we get a little, and we get none of another. (laughs) (laughs) We're back to getting none of Crosshair. Yeah, we got a Um, lot of him last episode, and this episode, they're like, bye. Fucking entered so quickly, did a bunch of crimes, and then immediately left. (laughs) As is his way. Yeah, and I don't remember when he shows up again um and a couple i think i do i think i, I do. can't remember where it is but I think yeah it, i know i know it, what yeah. episode it is but i don't know Let's when it their favorite side character yeah oh my god oh mm. my fucking god um forgot i it's weird that we're like now over halfway through this series truly and by series i mean season <laughs> the whole thing um yeah so we we get some i mean uh plot is like i mean always um applicable it's a, it's a little in flux in this episode just because we get to see um, like their ability to survive the batch's ability to survive is like been thrown in jeopardy because they are they have lost a, a member yeah right? and it, it almost feels like uh, in previous episodes the a plot as we've established it is a lot more focused on like the actual batch members yes and I think in this episode it's kind of interesting that they almost mix it up and it becomes solely about Omega mm-hmm. like her journey and her you know ability to create a new life for herself yeah um or it, at least just exist in the universe without yeah the batch members the other ones yeah and it's it's interesting that like like they obviously the whole point is that they're trying to get back together right mm-hmm. um but yeah it's interesting that we get such a focus on omega specifically in this episode i, I feel like i really like that we yeah no it's really cool i almost didn't realize until this episode that we haven't really had that mm-hmm. and like that she does it's nice that she exists kind of outside of them and like i don't know that she her understanding how to survive in this very different world is also as applicable as as mm-hmm. their story is which is what the focus has been i also like that we've, we've gotten like four or five episodes now kind of challenging the rest of the batch members ability to function as soldiers and omega i mean is a inextricable part of that now uh, she is firmly a member of their squad um this is her family now but she doesn't have that um that identity that that kind of she doesn't have that existential problem because she's never been a soldier right she's like in a different place and so and so in this episode we get to see her um fighting sort of her own separate destiny yeah um, like she has her own like duality going yeah exactly we get to see we explore that a little bit rather than it being a lot focus on the boys which is again it's really nice and i do think it's really cool that 
I mean, I've had to listen to our first episode like 14 times uh-huh, this past too. week because we, you know, surprise, surprise, literally just posted it today. Congratulations to us. Um, but uh, what's interesting, too, about this episode is like we get no crosshair, obviously, as we just talked about. But um, we get him for like three seconds in yeah, the very he's beginning. Upset. And um, of course, he's upset because he's when is he not upset? Yeah. And like, understandably, like most of his skin is burned. But like, <laughs> yeah, he looks pretty gnarly. Um, <laughs> Still got like, uh, like. Almost a coal on him. <laughs> like bandages? No, he's like, oh, uh, like he's like ash. dirty. <laughs> yeah, he's got like ash on he's his face. He's got coal on him. <laughs> um, like he's been working in the mines. Um, God. Uh, so it's interesting that in uh, kind of what gets slotted in is this like C plot, and it's like a kind of a lot of espionage angles, which is really cool and interesting. Uh, I mean, we've gotten like these things in tidbits i feel like like really small amounts we we get to see a lot of the like setup for this come come to uh fruition here and like in hindsight it's it's a quite good bit of setup yeah um not that i thought it was bad previously but <laughs> it's you're like just... i've been proven wrong <laughs> no uh it's just such small bits right yeah, that you're like, like okay like where is this going they almost don't give you uh enough to kind of like it's supposed to be kind of a shock someone was a little bit of a surprise yeah um less less of like a oh foreshadowing if you really if you really uh, paid attention it yeah you could guess it it's uh it's i don't know it's nice to see it come and like get paid off really well in a way that's just like feels so natural i think we talked about this in the last episode with some of the payoffs there where Mm -hmm. it's like i don't know they weren't just like they didn't make it so over dramatic that it was like telenovela style Mm -hmm. wild drama like because it's not necessary but like at least for this show right um, but it, it's nice to see that like, yeah, there's, there's payoff for these things and it makes sense when you go back and it is nice to see it in these like tiny little breadcrumbs all over the place. I also really appreciate, um, the show does this really well too, that a lot of other shows don't, uh, do very well, very often. And that is not lingering for too long on the same kind of mystery, right? Mm, yeah. Um, they give you these breadcrumbs about the Kaminoans and what are they going to do now that the Empire is kind of um, not very friendly to cloning anymore? How does Omega fit into that? It, it's not this lingering mystery that gets really old. Like, they cash it in exactly when it's, like, peak yeah. is. Yeah. They built it up so precisely and they paid it off so well. And, like, this is kind of, like, we just keep moving, mm-hmm. too. Like, I... It, yeah we don't linger too long on these things like they don't become like boring or overdue they're just kind of like exactly what they need to be like I, okay i love the show burn notice but the oh, like yeah. <laughs> the, the the like general mystery of of burn notice is like who burned michael weston and why why can he not be a spy anymore and the further you get in the series it just gets like so much more complex and they never like the the who burned michael weston is is like you get answer after answer after answer of like boogeyman beyond boogeyman beyond boogeyman like it you never get a satisfying answer they never move on from that one mystery almost um and then it becomes just like i don't know it's unsatisfying it's just like okay this is getting old now and like i know the next thing you're going to introduce to me is just another thing that's really not going to be the answer um i don't know why that's the only show that i could think of but that yeah i I remember having that frustration with that common like i feel like um like sort of serial like cop drama almost stuff exactly. like that is, is often like that like i think hawaii five like the you know the show that was running for a really long time is it, super like that too where it's just like i don't know there's just kind of like miscellaneous bad guys that never stop coming right yeah. um 
this show just like again puts pieces together like super well like it's a very curated experience which i really like precise is a, a very good word to use yeah um all right do you want to just jump into the story beats yeah let's pick up um where the episode picks up <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that being said it does pick up right after the end of the last episode yeah um uh, i i really appreciate that they didn't give you there's no jump in time they're literally just like okay we're leaving and like we're still being chased by crosshair yeah it's it, it almost like it jumps like five minutes from like the last time we saw it like them right because like they get on the ship and they leave and like presumably right after they leave is when crosshair starts yeah they like the uh, going after them yeah chasing them chasing um they, them? they have I like i couldn't think of that word <laughs> they have like five minutes to patch hunter up a little bit um before uh they are like leaving the planet yeah. trying to jump into hyperspace it gives you just with- like the right amount of break where like it kind of feels like oh yeah this is like where we would be if we watched the credits right and the like opening scene and then it just puts you back like you pick back up with them like a commercial break which i feel like a lot of the times when a dramatic um kind of cliffhanger ending happens like the last episode um especially with the like more somber yeah credit music that we get um like it's kind of slow a lot of the times when that happens we'll pick back up and like like they want to kind of keep milking that uh, suspense so they'll pick up a, like and it'll be a little slower and it'll be someone yeah, else and, and it'll be like what happened we don't know like it's gonna be like something like there it's gonna take so much extra time to get to the resolution that we all right want. which i guess in like other maybe longer format shows that aren't animated it might serve the story uh okay but i can't imagine that that would have served this no, this story i feel like Kind of like what we have talked about previously when it comes to like matching paces. I feel like it matches pace really well from the previous episode because that was like pretty crazy, right? With like the duel and Cad Bane. And then we have this like Hunter POV where like things are really rushing about. I feel like it would be weird to then immediately have like a super slow scene, right? Like I, I like it, that it matches yeah. the like height of that. It wouldn't have... um I think served the uh, continuing suspense very well. Like, even though it seems like it would, if you're just not telling your audience what's happening, they're like, Oh, they're getting more curious. A lot of the times, if it's not done right, you, you lose yeah. interest. No, totally. It's like, okay. Not- like, I think that's why so many like, like viewership will fall off in between seasons of shows. Right. Because like, you'll do With, this like, like huge cliffhanger, yeah, huge cliffhanger. And then you'll do like a five year time jump. And it's like, this isn't even the show that I want to see anymore. Right. Exactly. Like there's such a way of like understanding, like, what an audience wants to see and like i mean attention span feels like a a rude way to put it but like there is sort of like a a through line here and if you're trying to continue your through line you shouldn't like sever it by taking extra time for something that's unnecessary exactly Uh, i don't think it's rude i think that's just i mean like i don't know like why it's like when we watch old movies and there's like a 30 second scene of someone walking it's like i love this but like why is it here and I, it's just I like think, you get bored with it. I think it's this um, difference between shows that are like kind of more in control uh, of, of a situation where it's like, okay, I'm the storyteller and I'm telling you the audience what's happening. And so I think if you have a show that feels in control like that, you um, it, it can do things like this and, and knows how to do it really well and carry its story. Whereas yeah. if you have shows that are basing their uh creation almost completely off of this formulaic like what's good in tv what do people like what are viewers tweeting about like if you're basing it completely off of that like a formula i think that's when the story starts i mean it it has started to suffer suffer 
previously, but uh, it, it's where it really, you lose it, right? It's yeah. not about this. You're not telling a story anymore. You're truly trying to manipulate and hook people. Yeah, I was going to say, you're just kind of dragging people Exactly. Uh, also, not to mention, like, the practicality of starting super quick. I mean, like, how does this serve this episode? Like, there's a fuck ton of information to get yeah. through. And, like, it still contains it to, like, a 25 or 27-minute episode. So, like, yeah. you know, they had to start quickly because, like, they didn't want this episode to be, like, 45 minutes. Precisely. Um, yeah. They, I mean, they escape crosshair here. They jump to hyperspace. Um, I really appreciate that we get to see Hunter... Um, he's usually the one making these decisions like we gotta you know if we don't do it now uh you know we're gonna be dead in the water he's the one who's struggling and i think echo is the one who's like the bounty hunter who yeah. got her is gone we we cannot just linger around here and, and finally hunt her after some time is like okay okay yeah no it's i i it's fun to see hunter struggling i feel like we don't see him struggle with decisions a lot maybe sans like in cut and run the second episode when he's just like oh no omega like you have to go with you know these people they're better for you but that's kind of like a completely different like this in this episode right it's like a pretty like war related battle related thing that's happening and i don't think that's probably an area where he usually stutters right exactly um, i think that previous uh struggling was a, a pretty solely an emotional one exactly like he was making a pretty tough decision which he seems to be really good at doing um and this decision is also tough but uh it's yeah he's struggling emotionally as well but it's um it's in a different flavor than it was yeah and it's i don't know it's fun to see again like even that like tiny moment of indecision feels very human mm -hmm. and like again i like that we see none of the other like batch members are really like putting up much of a fuss like text just like hey our shield's going down like you need to make a decision and i like that echo is the one who's like the again pragmatic sort of voice of reason of like yeah i know you don't want to leave because you're trying to hold on to something but like that bounty hunter logically is gone like we're gonna have to regroup to be able to figure out this thing and being here is not gonna help us yeah um, i i want to give special credit to this specific scene uh with d bradley baker like his voicing of echo is so right? ragged and like He's also, I mean, they're all struggling, but like, yeah, it's interesting that Echo's the one uh, who picks back up and is I just like, here, you, we need to do this. Really, really appreciate how they continue to handle Echo's character in these little moments. Like, again, I wish we would get more from him emotionally, mm -hmm. but like, I understand that again, these sh episodes are not long. The seasons aren't super long. So like, I, I get it. But uh, yeah, I like that we get to see like so much of his personality and what you know, he's there to do like in this and like how often I forget that all of these fucking characters, Sans Omega are voiced by the same person. Yeah. Like it is so easy to forget. Like it's wild to me. Cause like, I feel like in Clone Wars, like D Bradley Baker would be side character sometimes. And like, I could always tell him like, Oh, that's D Bradley Baker. Uh, and maybe he was that's just James Earl Taylor that's James over Earl there. Taylor. That's the guy who plays the Jarl in <laughs> Skyrim. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> but it's wild with this show that like how many times we've talked about like i wonder how they record these because like there it would be impossible to go back and forth it's so wild like i'm so interested because he does such a good job he really does and like absolutely has sold the emotions of the batch for the last like especially these last like two episodes now this being the third one having to voice five separate characters and then all and then four that are constantly in communication with one yeah. another and then also give them within their each sort of unique voice their own unique like emotional range yeah and that, that personality is so incredible like i that sounds so difficult that sounds like absolutely an insane thing to do every single day mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, I, I really like what we see here and it, it's a very, very short scene. Um, what follows is again, a short scene. We now know that, uh, you know, Omega is obviously alive, but she's captured by Cat Bane. They are en route someplace. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm, what is important here is that Cad Bane communicates with uh, Lama Sue, which we learned in the last episode that they were the ones sending the bounty hunters for yeah. Omega. Um, but there's maybe a little bit more going on here. All I wrote was Cad Bane communicates with Lama Sue, and I don't remember exactly what's <laughs> happening. Uh, I, I believe he just uh, gives Cad Bane the uh, drop location. Or like, yeah, he gives him the location, and also Cad Bane is like, oh, I expect a premium because she's alive, which I think gives us an interesting clue yeah. into what's going on here. Um, then we have this conversation between Lamasu Tan Wei, who is in the... Uh, I think we only ever see her in episode two, uh, the, one of the prequel episodes. Uh, oh, man, I don't know. She's definitely in a previous Bad Batch episode. Is she? Yeah, I think she might be in the first one or the third one. Does she speak though? I can't remember. No, her I think lines. she might just be in the background. Okay. Um, but I, I, I don't know why I specifically remember Tonway is the one that um, takes like Obi Wan through the. Um, <laughs> I definitely didn't remember that. Yeah, I remember that because I think Boba says something. He he says Tonway, uh, and I don't know why I've never uh, forgotten the way he says her name. It's not <laughs> like, even like, like weird. Jango says it. N- uh no boba says like it's tonway or like oh when he answers the door i think he's supposed to be like a hi- hey tonway <laughs> i don't remember what he says but he says her name and that's how I, the only reason i know that her name was that um yeah but we haven't seen her <laughs> anyway we get this scene between lamasu tonway and nalase in that uh nalase volunteers to be like oh i'll i'll go bring the payment um and lamasu kind of uh is like you you're mucking things up with your personal feelings like yeah. Tonway will go and so like we kind of get this other I think the only other time that we've seen her apart from Lama Sue is when in the first episode when she's like holding the door yeah uh for the the batch to escape yeah I think this is interesting that like they also bring up in this specific situation that like Nalase is to go like get Omega and like they will be terminating her like they're they're gonna get rid they're, of her just so they can keep the genetic material yeah they're just gonna collect what they need from her which is her genetic material and then they're gonna kill her yeah um w- which I think like it's really interesting that th- we, there's a lot of back and forth in this episode but like from really interesting perspectives like the Kaminoans and like I, I like that they add these you know like little interesting tidbits within the episode that are uh making their like plot line like or their part in in our C plot like a lot more um enticing and interesting and kind mm-hmm. of like you know there's something bad going on here like our C plot is like empire shit but um we we have but in that kind of made of, this subplot yeah it's in there that's like okay into... it's just about the communes who are at this point operating uh without the empire's knowledge about this specific thing yeah yeah it's like Again, I think that's kind of why it's cool to do this and and look at these things over the course of an entire season because at the very start, you know, we we assumed and the viewer assumes that the Kaminoans and the Empire are aligned, right? Mm-hmm. And now we see that like, you know, we have seen the Empire and the Kaminoans are separate and even within the Kaminoans there's factions of like right. vying for power yeah. uh and are mixed up in emotions and and pride and all of these things. Um, and it's cool that we're just getting like facets upon facets of these like different plot lines. I also really love that this uh, sort of empire related uh, subplot that we're getting in this episode has come right off the heels of our biggest 
empire related yeah uh episode with crosshair and like we don't see any empire folk in this episode specifically but we've got so much of them in the previous episode yeah they're kind of just like very close dominoes that like interact quite frequently i mean like everything is affecting each other exactly as we've talked about so many times in all of our podcast episodes like these things should be like color like you know informing each other right yeah nothing should be an island in the story otherwise what's the point yeah and like if a big event happens like this whole fucking imperial takeover like we need to be able to see it in all of these ways and like we're seeing like absolutely things like affecting each other and like it's kind of just like a big jenga tower right yeah especially given the empire is not um has not tightened its grip on the the galaxy yet they're still they're in its infancy basically yeah all right we're back on cad bane's ship yeah um i really like this scene yeah um where omega is basically trying to uh, manipulate toto uh because she is like she's trying to be sly she's trying to be um clever uh and and she is but she's also like still 100% retaining this like altruism and like sweetness to her uh which is so sweet to me I I love this um the line that I'm specifically thinking of was uh um Toto is is upset that uh Hunter shot his leg off he's trying to fix it um and Omega takes on bridge with it and she's like he was helping me that's what friends do why isn't yours helping you i love that she just says i love that she says friends i love that she doesn't say like uh i don't know squad members or yeah, something yeah she says friends and then she like makes this connection that like toto and cad bane are yeah. friends not like co-workers yeah <laughs> or like he's your master or something. yeah like she's like, just still so sweet like, she assumes in every you know essentially sentient being that there are connections right emotional connections and she's really sweet and just i don't know like i love that this is kind of when um you know we start having this unraveling of omega's character like we get more and more like starting here and it's like really fun to see that again like she is still inherently omega she's so good and like kind and you know altruistic uh and even in like the worst of circumstances where she's like separated from her family slash friends and like in a very dire situation she's still gonna like act you know yeah she's still guns essentially (laughs) i love that too like the batch has kind of like bolstered her like view of the universe in this way like they have been also very kind and like uplifting to her and that she's like like they aren't um i don't know they haven't been like you know the world's tough and you gotta learn yeah you gotta toughen up kid yeah like they're kind of doing the opposite where they're like maybe we need to be more soft um and i love that like she has been bolstered by that to the point where she yeah she's in this situation it's very scary uh presumably but like she's still like her. i could be sweet and like yeah where's your friend like, why isn't your friend helping you and yeah. like it's very like cute. i love that she says that out of like genuine not understanding like she's not trying to like be a dick obviously to toto it's like yeah, yeah why isn't your friend helping you like it's she- just so weird to her that like yeah, it doesn't make uh, any sense. someone would let their team member walk around with their uh, leg like, off, off i guess <laughs> <laughs> really not super applicable to others but it's fine um <laughs> um Yes, we get that sweet little scene. And then again, we're back to like the Marauder. Um, They are able to identify Cad Bane um, somehow. Yeah, I like how Echo says, uh, according to the like Republic's like files, I'm like, how do you have access to those? Also, I mentioned this when you're watching the episode, but they pull up what looks like mugshots of Cad Bane and he's wearing his hat in them. (laughs) Like the cops didn't make him take it off. They're like, no, no, no. It looks really good. You look really cool. (laughs) He's like, I know you're taking my shot. Can I look like 
cool in it though and they're like of course they're like hell yeah um <laughs> this section is a little more it's a little not necessarily like info dumpy that's way too strong um it is necessary for the plot but it's um I, I kind of like, honestly, how the badge is sort of relegated to just, like, they need to learn some information and, like, we're not going to spend too much time on it. Like, you know, they, you know, communicate here that, like, Omega isn't just an enhanced clone as they thought. She's actually pure genetic m- material like Boba Fett is, right? Um, I also appreciate that, like, I think tech is usually the one coming forth with these things, these, like, I- info dumpy kind of things. Yeah. Um, but I, I it does kind of give him, like, a utility in that because a... Uh, like Echo and and Hunter are looking at the files. They're trying to figure it out. They're yeah. doing their own sort of like recon. Uh, and Tech seems to be the one who's just like, okay, like I'll use my skills and try to find out any yeah. more information. And usually the information that he finds is, I mean, it's it's the, the one that is very like important to the plot. Yeah. But it's also like the information that ends up uh, helping them uh, a lot. Yeah, it definitely like gives them, I mean, this is like a an important fact for a future, you know, an unraveling plot line, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And to be fair, it is consistent with Tech's character to just, like, come in and be like, I have information about something. Like, that makes sense for him. It does, yeah, like, exactly. So it, it's good that they, like, communicated it in, communicated it in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's it's kind of funny how we have these really, really short interludes with the Batch, and it's mostly them just, like, learning information. Yeah. <laughs> They're very in the dark. Yeah. I, I do appreciate, too, like, D. Bradley Baker keeps up this... Um, ragged like uh, everyone's sort of on edge and yeah like, they're, he, they're he, just like hurrying around i'm just and... realizing how uh such a uh, short amount of time this episode actually is, is like is meant to take place over yeah um, it is wild it's probably like i don't know like not even a day probably yeah not even a day okay so the next thing that i want to talk about kind yes. of in reference to what you were talking about the last time we were talking about omega mm-hmm. um in cadbane's ship but um we get to see her again right and like toto kind of takes the bait and like lets her help him um which is really sweet but I, I do really like that like even in this scene like she is so like good right and altruistic she could have like she's being kind to this droid like she still fixed him even though she was just kind of doing this to escape like she could have just like had him take the ray shield down and then like tackle him i don't know he's smaller than her right like and broken him irreparably but no she like takes the time to like fix him and help him and then just like shuts him down for a little bit like like as soon as she got access to like the panel on the back of his head she could have just like put him to sleep or whatever she does to him yeah like it's just but she does still realign his leg yeah and then yeah it's just like wild to me that like again in everything she is going to be like kind Mm -hmm. and like i really love that this is like an overwhelming part of her personality even in you know in any situation yeah so of course she's leveraged the situation they when they're landing on uh this drop location which is we learned from lamasu boravio and it looks to be like an old Kaminoan facility yeah. it's it, it's floating on a gas giant I'm I assuming. would assume uh looks a lot like Cloud City it does um so she escapes uh and then another bounty hunter uh shows up and surprise it's Fennec I'm I just love this episode so much for a number of reasons but I love that Fennec just comes back um yeah in this though it is important to note that obviously Omega is um, able to hail the batch though yes. they can't find her so pretty much she's stranded with two bounty hunters there's a lot of a uh, omega escaping and then uh cat bane or fennec finding her and then yeah. her escaping again it, it truly is kind of like a cat and mouse yes. thing uh it's interesting coming off of like the last episode uh 
um, where Crosshair is kind of doing that with them, right? They're mm-hmm. they're kind of like escaping and being found and escaping, right? Um, it's interesting that there's kind of like parallels or at least like maybe she knows what to do now in this situation because of like she's already had experiences with this. Yeah. But yeah, I love, <laughs> I love Fennec just uh, appearing again. Yeah, also a surprise when she shows back up is that like, I think until now it's been assumed that both Fennec and um Cad Bane. and Cadbane have been sent by all of the Kaminoans yeah. and it's clear that Fennec is still working for the Kaminoans but she is uh, working a bit in a different capacity because she kills Tanwe. Yeah. Which I was thinking about this when we were watching the episode. It's really really fascinating to me that once again we're we know and understand that Fennec just killed her, mm-hmm. but we never see it happen, right? We like hear the gunshot, we hear like Cadbane like you know, reacting to it. And, you know, we see Fennec with a gun, right? It, it's interesting how they'll, like, get around yeah. the problem of, like, obviously we can't show someone, like, murdering someone, point blank. Um, That's not cool for the audience. Um, But it's interesting, yeah, how, like, artfully they're able to, like, put the pieces together and, like, help you infer something. And it totally helps Fennec's character, too, in that, like, we're not supposed to see her as, like, a... Um, I mean, she's standing opposite Cad Bane now, who is, as we know, a lot crueler. Um, a lot more ruthless. Um, so we're not supposed to see her as like a, as an equal to him in that way. Yeah. Um, but she is still incredibly efficient and the spook factor does not go away because of the setting, which I'm sure you'll yeah, talk fully, a lot about fully gonna, later. Yeah, fully, fully going to get into that one because I, I love... As far as like... I kind of talked about this in the last episode and that like Brocka, it kind of became a jungle gym for them. Yeah. Um, Boravio is like a, a really interesting sort of playground to like have these like cat and mouse games happen in it's a really interesting setting um but what i really like about this part a lot and obviously like pretty much the back half of this episode because the back half of this episode is like all action yeah um it's quite fun it is super fun it's not agonizing in any way right um i really love seeing fennec here pitted against cad bane and that like again like you said he's cruel and she's efficient they're kind of like facets of gray areas like but, you know, and then Cad Bane seems to be very much slotted as kind of like the older master. And Fennec is very much kind of like the young upstart. And I love that we get to see them fight. And they're really equally matched. Yeah. Like in, in very different um, yeah. ways, right? Like she's still very uh, flexible and quick on her feet and quick with her reaction times. Like he throws a, I'm thinking specifically, he throws like a grenade at mm-hmm. her. Uh, she like she doesn't even pick it up and throw it back she just like kicks it out of the way she like yeah. spin kicks it uh, like down the hall yeah it, it's really fun to watch them. yeah it's it's wild too because like i don't know it just has this sort of like ballet aspect to it Exa- and like yeah. how everything sort dance of aspect. flows into each other yeah. um yeah and like uh, again in and out of like this sort of game of cat and mouse with all three of them we get um i don't know different sort of I don't know, almost like vignettes of these different characters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All the um, scene changes are very fast paced too. Um, but I, I do appreciate like this next scene uh, where Omega's on her own again, and she's trying to find a place to communicate with the batch. Um, and she finds her way into this, like uh, it, it's clear that it's a Camino and cloning facility. Yeah. She finds these pods, these cloning pods. Um, and she's like, she, t- between the like fight scenes between, uh, Fennec and Cad Bane, you see her like discovering this and taking. Uh, it's not fast paced anymore though. It's like yeah, it's slowed down. Significantly. Slowed down. It's got this somber quality to it. You can see her. Um, I really love the fact that we get such a long shot of Omega looking into one of these pods uh, and, and 
the all the camera picks up obviously is like her reflection like we see her like her eyes are much bigger like we yeah i just love this uh as an illustration for um like her kind of confronting this fate this destiny that she's had and like may return to yeah i think it's um I don't know. It's so lovely and poignant too. And I love how the, um, there's a big color shift here too, which like I can talk about later, but like, we, I don't know, like it, it, it's a huge tonal change. And I really like that. Um, I mean, we talked about this obviously, but like this episode is super fast paced. There's a lot going on. I like that they still have taken time to have a slower paced scene in here where we get to see one of our main characters, like clearly confronting like a very scary, fate potentially you know and then also um fennec coming in Mm -hmm. like it's it's a really interesting sort of scene set of scenes i i love that like i mean she's in an in kind of a frightening position the whole episode but i love that they um lean hard on this this emotion um that she's having when she's looking into these clone pods um it's it's almost like she she doesn't find the situation of being kidnapped by bounty hunters so frightening as she does this potentiality of what might happen to her if she doesn't get back to the batch uh they don't pull punches with the emotionality here and it's really really nice and refreshing to see um so this conversation with fennec is Mm -hmm. a really i don't know i just really like it i like that we're again we're getting to characterize fennec in these like very interesting ways like again yeah you said this when you were watching the episode but uh we get more character of Fennec here than we have seen pretty much in any other property that she's been in. Yeah. yeah. Which is in, it's just, it's saying a lot to the Testament of this show, how yeah. good it is. No. And it's yeah. Wild that we have seen her in two episodes of this, of bad batch ever. Right. And like the amount of characterization they do is like leaps and bounds. Like, I don't think we get this much personality and interest and understanding of her and like her desires and like literally anything else um like and she is a side character here but in uh, in other properties she is relegated to a side character as well but like they almost don't treat her like that in this episode no she has like such an interesting way and like obviously this unfolds as the as the episode goes on because like here in this conversation with omega when you first watch it it's it seems like she's trying to coerce her to come with her which she kind of is right but like we think that it's for bad reasons that she's going to be she's going to turn her into the Kaminoans as well. But like, she's doing it in such an interesting soft way. And like, it is very like slow. She seems to be like understanding of Omega and she like, gets down on her level. Yeah. Like how telling that is that she's treating her like she understands the situation that she's in and that it's kind of scary. And she's just like, she has an empathy for her. Yeah. yeah. Like she shows such an interesting side of herself that feels so emotional and like understanding. Mm-hmm. And then like, obviously when we learn later that like, she actually i mean she's we know that she's working for nalase but that like nalase is cool with just as long as omega isn't you know in anyone's hands like it, i don't know like it it feels like fennec has like such a a kind quality to her almost which is wild amongst her like super utilitarian to the point style of bounty hunting but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm i mean we get uh, her contrasted obviously with cad bane in this episode not only um like in fights but we see uh, cad bane be only after one thing and that's uh his payment yeah e- especially to the that's point it. that like in the you know in when he's communicating with 
um, Lama Sue, he's just like, well, she's alive, so you owe me more money. Like, he seems very um, blasé about her, you know, being alive. Like, you know, he could have... He only wants her alive because it gets him more money. Yeah, and it's like he, you know, would have cared the same if she was dead. He just wants to get paid, right? Mm -hmm. And then, like, yeah, we have contrasted to Fennec, who seems to be... I don't know. She's something so different. Yeah, she's kind of empathizing with Omega. She's getting down on her level. She's telling her... Um, I mean, what we learn in this conversation uh, around these cloning pods uh, is that, um, which appropriately, Lamasu only wants her genetic material. Yeah. Um, she She's like kind of hinting this to Omega. And Omega's like, what does he want me for specifically? Um, and I really think it's interesting that Fennec goes, you already know the answer. Yeah. Uh, which again, this is such a, a small short line that like you could read into eight different ways. Yeah. Um, it just begs so many more questions. It is so intriguing. Like again, how they, like we are paying off so many things the last couple of ep- episodes, right? But they're still like giving us, they're almost like baiting us a little bit with like more questions. Like, what do you mean you already know the answer? Like, it almost feels like a red herring in this, but it's like, it's not. It definitely has a point. It has a point and it's such like a um, perspective shift yeah. uh, of the audience on Omega because I think up until this point, we've been looking at her, oh, she's the kid, like she's the one learning and she yeah. doesn't know a lot, but like she's uh, growing. And now we kind of feel like, oh, maybe she's... Maybe she knows more than she's letting on. Yeah. What does that mean? I think it's really interesting to like go through the series and realize that like there's a lot of people who know more than they're letting on. Exactly. And like with the Kaminoans, with the Empire, with Crosshair, with like all of these things going on, like it's really, it, it's becoming a very like interestingly like, I don't know, twisting path, right? That's like, uh, I've said this at some point, but like it seems so wild for like an all ages animation show. Like it is it's incredibly wildly, complicated, wildly complex. Like I don't. I mean, this is only a Disney Plus show. This is like why this makes sense, right? Because mm-hmm. like we're you know the the state of television has changed because of streaming, right? And like, but honestly, it's kind of like at least for me and what I like to watch. Obviously, like because we're not playing random episodes on cable television anymore. You can just like have these super awesome like story heavy shows because you know people will be watching it in order and also you know that every audience wants to see that like it's so nice that those things have been able to like grow even in like the weird sort of like state of media we're in i i I do appreciate how uh, disney has kind of split the difference between like um i mean like obviously netflix will uh drop an entire seasons of things like i I mean i binged stranger things the first season yeah all in one night um, but I do I- enjoy a little bit that they do wait a week. They kind of have these like slower releases. Yeah, it's nice that um, they do that. It, it kind of splits the difference between being able to binge something and having, um, storytelling that is suited to, or, or episodic, um, programs that are suited to this kind of storytelling. Yeah. Uh, and the, um, oh, we got to wait a week. This is a little more anticipation. Yeah. It, it definitely like the difference very well. works in its favor a lot. And again, I think it it works really well for this show because it went to 16 episodes instead of, you know, currently like all of the live action shows only are getting like six, six or eight probably. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think it's working as well for them. I mean, they have other problems also, but <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like this show just like, again, it has these like crazy twisting plot lines that are so wholly unexpected. And I love to see also, do you want to talk about the music here? Uh, I don't have anything specific to say other than, uh, again, I I need to I need to learn sort of the analysis of music. I need to learn the terms for that because too bad neither of us took a music I'm, analysis theory class in college. I am not a musical person whatsoever, uh, so it's very challenging for me. But I, I it's just so 
the Kino brothers have done such a good job. The music yeah. here is so poignant and so fitting for the yeah. scene. I mean, it, again, we were just talking about this in relation to video games. Um, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we were talking about Mass Effect. Yeah, because we've, we've been playing Mass Effect for the first time. One, um, Mass yeah. Effect one, God. Um, the music is challenging. Yeah. Um, but again, it's a Bioware property. So like we were comparing it to Dragon Age Inquisition, which the soundtrack to that game is so 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 yeah, good and i'm like wow it's it's really uh i think people really have realized that um these things are much more art form than they gave them credit for originally maybe yeah. and like i don't know when mass effect came out but 2000 mm, something eight maybe 2008 maybe earlier um but it's less yeah the music in even i'm thinking about the music in clone wars early seasons was very um just sort of like a like a weird bop in the middle <laughs> that of was it. also the keener brothers though yeah like it happens to be yeah do you remember the like rad ass electric guitar that was like louder than the character dialogue <laughs> <laughs> i'm talking about the show okay they i think they did the show as well but um you're talking about the movie the um, the movie soundtrack is very very good um not talking about the movie so much specifically. electric guitar uh what's that one song it's like obi-wan to the rescue that's a good oh song. yeah that you really that's like. an electric guitar one. um no but um there are certain bits that i'm pretty sure that they didn't have the kina brothers do that it are sounds just... like royalty free music yeah it sounds yeah. a little bit like royalty free music which is like fine i get it but also it's so weird when you um are either playing something like a video game or watching a tv show and you can really clearly tell that it's like not composed and yeah like, it's a weird it's a weird thing now because yeah. like so much of it is that we see now is uh so curated like that yeah i was gonna say i i love it, it just <laughs> going back to those shows and those games it just like gives me such a, a sense of um like oh wow we've come so far yeah uh like we're letting composers do uh what they want to do here and they're good at it and yeah. we should continue to let them yeah do again like in in the fact that like everything in these shows are designed like also letting things be designed and like letting other aspects of art like music be able to play into that is like such a powerful tool it's wild to me that we haven't always done that mm -hmm. um but yeah it it slaps here and like the fact too that like this episode is super fast paced pretty much except for this one scene and like the scene at the end I, I love that it's, again, it's a contrast. You go from, like, super, like, fast-paced and then, obviously, like, Cad Bane's very Western themes and then you get, like, this super somber bit. Yeah. Um, it just works so well. It really does. Um, yeah, a, a lot of this uh, back half of this episode is it's just, just action. Sort of action. It's very, very fun to watch. Yeah. Again, I like what you said, that they're, uh, Fennec and Bane are very in a dance, it seems. Yeah, and I, I just love that, like, again we're not putting it we're not putting the importance on cad bane as like the old master we're like honestly though like fennec is kind of is the one who comes out victorious between yeah. the two of them right yeah. and like i like that she has a lot of value in herself and her skill i like that the way that she comes out the vic the victor he too isn't that she beats him at a uh in a, in a contest of strength <laughs> yeah. or in a duel yeah um she uh, fucking sabotages his shit it's so good she's like hold on before i get involved i'm yeah. gonna go make sure that he can't <laughs> she get away. is smart. so smart yeah. so efficient she is good at her job 10 out of 10 i would hire her um, <laughs> for my <laughs> dastardly deeds next time i need someone assassinated she's <laughs> I'm who i'm going to Fennec shand yeah yeah so in this again like omega is able to get away and like realizes that there are escape pods on on this station so she heads there um you know she's interrupted by toto in the meantime everyone is fighting it's yeah. a whole thing right yeah um and, and really what it does build to is omega is is able to escape in a flight pod 
And, you know, though it malfunctions, the batch is able to swoop yeah, in. Yeah, they swoop in at last in minute time. and get her. Um, and they have this really sweet reunion scene, which I love. Um, again, I, I feel like the show, I can talk about this later too, but the show doesn't pull punches with emotionality. And especially in like the found family. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like, again, found family is very Star Wars. Yeah. But the way we see it in Clone Wars is not is very subtle almost like they kind of put it on uh, onus and maybe it's because they're dealing with jedi and they can't be that super emotional emotional. or whatever uh (laughs) stupid (laughs) (laughs) but like i I appreciate that we get they 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 let us have a lot more here um it's a a little treat (laughs) yeah especially like i i love i mean i'm assuming why did i make a snake sound crosshair um i'm assuming this is like one of the things that you're referencing but i love when she gets back into the marauder they like pull her up and i love that she just like throws herself not like throws but like puts herself well she's still on. A, like handcuffed right she can't throw her arms around hunter so yeah she just but kind she of just like, like kind of heads butt him yeah and i love that he like winces but he's just like oh no 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 like and you know yeah. I, I want you to be here it's okay and it's then, just like, that he still down. is like recovering from yeah, getting shot in the fucking chest through the fucking chest yeah um that part is so sweet though and i love that like they're not pulling punches when it comes to being like physically affectionate yes, either. That, like, I, I guess that's what I'm meaning. Yeah. Is that, like, too? Well, they, they, you can be like verbally affectionate as well. And we do yeah. see that a lot with like, you know, comforting people. And but stuff, we get but, a like, double whammy with yeah, this show. Yeah. And uh, so much too. And like, I feel like that isn't played up enough ever of just like familial affection like that. Like, I don't know. It's either you're romantically involved or you're fucking strangers. Like I'm so used to giving and now we get to receive. And now I finally <laughs> get to receive. Um but yeah, I love that part. And it's just I don't know, it feels so good. They're so excited to be here and for her to be here. Yeah. And like they're excited to be here. No, I'm not. The way you said that they just made it seem like they're like, Yeah, we're so excited to be here. Um we don't can't wait know. what happens next. Uh, so interested to see. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a news reporter on the Marauder is like, How do you feel? They're like, we're just excited to be here. They're just like breaking the fourth wall like five times. <laughs> just becomes a monty python <laughs> film um <laughs> i don't know i i like that um after that too a hunter crouches down on her level level and make i cannot talk today okay. level and make sure that she's okay mm-hmm. um i just love just that like the direct eye contact yeah, yeah, too yeah. Is so good i love that people are continually crouching down and like checking on her and talking to her mm-hmm. and like i don't know she feels very included in these instead of like i don't know pat pat on the head you're just a kid um i also appreciate that they they like she's like crying she's kind of crying like yeah. she, you can see the tears in her eyes um she's truly like i've been through an ordeal <laughs> yeah fully and they're like yep yep we get it yep um i also really like that in this scene echo almost just said omega nope there's not two omegas echo comes up behind them and is like (laughs) i always think he's gonna pat omega's head he doesn't though um but he's like scratching the back of his neck and he's just like we have to tell her like i i love that like and then you know they go on to tell her that like you know the kaminoans are after her and that like you know she's a a, you know pure genetic like clone of Django fett and like all this stuff like i appreciate that they don't hide information from her because she's a child right yeah like it, it it feels like they respect her a lot. It's a continuation of what we have talked about. And I think specifically in the second episode, I'm thinking of that she is a full-fledged member of this family. She's yeah. not like, she has her own relationships with everyone in this group. She's not just like um, using Hunter as a proxy or she's not just like, oh, I'm just, I'm just kind of with Hunter or um, 
I'm just a child to be protected. Um, she's there to learn. She's there to be involved in them. And, and yeah, I mean, they, they started that, they established that very early on and they have continued establishing that yeah. or not establishing, but they've, they've support that support that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they, uh, <laughs> switch scenes again. We see Cad Bane's ship has been sabotaged. Uh, and then we get to see Fennec once again, um, now communicating with Nala Say, uh, essentially being like, I can continue to track her down. And Nala Say is like, you know what, as long as she's outside of, yeah. you know, the, the, you know, we, we realized that Nala Say's only, um, priority for Omega was that she is safe. Yeah. Um, she's not, not like, in the clutches of Lamasu. There we go. The phrase I was looking for. Truly just wants to kill her after yeah, he like it, whatever he needs. <laughs> again, we're really, um, cementing the fact that there are like factions among the Kaminoans and like. Also, I like that Fennec is, like, cool with that. Like, she's not, like, trying to milk it for, for more money, being like, oh, are you sure? I can definitely go after her. I can track them. She's just like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Call me, beat me if you yeah. need me. If you need me, you know where to find me. It's me, Kim Possible. Um, <laughs> it was me, Kim Possible, the, the whole, whole time. time. <laughs> yeah, and then we got our, our last scene on the Marauder, which God, I really like. fucking um, scene. I like that after this, such, uh, this episode being so fast-paced, we get this, like, soft quiet yeah it's uh, ending like, scene where like everyone is asleep but uh hunter and omega yeah i do really like this i like that we've you know they were able to break up all of the action with like more interesting scenes like as we talked about with omega and fennec um but i like that we truly get like a quiet moment here at the end and like it does feel like it wraps things up really well from like all of the chaos of the last two episodes we get like this one quiet moment that feels exactly. very um, cementing in where they are. Yeah. Um, this conversation at the end, like this whole scene at the end just feels <laughs> like a fucking fan fiction. And I mean that in the best way possible. It does. It, it feels like feels, a hug. It, fe- it feels like a hug. It feels like, like, I know what you bitches want and here it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. It's and like it's... something I would read to comfort me at night. Exactly. <laughs> Hurt comfort, baby. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, no, but it's just this like conversation between these two where like Omega, I, I do appreciate too that she's genuinely expressing this like distress. She's like, What like why is this happening to me? Why do they want me? Uh I'm I'm a f- she's ex- it's kind of the first time we see her express like, um I, I don't know if you'll be able to protect me or I don't know yeah. if we'll be able to make it through this. Um and Hunter like she's almost like rubbed off on him so much that he's just like no okay when you can't be our hope i'll be our hope and and like they can send everyone in the galaxy if you have us you'll be okay yeah it's just so sweet it is and i love like my favorite part about this too is that like he's sitting um with his leg up on the console and then she sits down next to him and then he turns and like puts his arms on either side of like the chair and is like very like close to her Mm -hmm. and very like not obviously in like um um menacing way where it's like you know but it's just really sweet and comforting like he's like i want to be near you so you understand like how important this is and like how truly like we will always be with you and like you know i don't know (laughs) it's just so sweet it kind of mirrors that conversation uh that episode two closes off on i believe um are you talking about episode two of this show sorry yeah of the show okay Um, i was like boy howdy are you asking me to remember (laughs) something i can't remember no episode two of the show cut and run um after like he basically tells omega to like go to uh, with cut and then um you know obviously they get back yeah uh but she approaches hunter Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah and is like i'm I'm part of the family and i want to be part i want to be here like it almost mirrors that where he's just like listen you're here and you're a part of this and we're not gonna let you go yeah yeah very much like a she 
a, a switch in that. Yeah. And I love the end of it where like, you know, he's like, you're never going to go back to Camino. And she's like, promise. And he's like, promise. promise. Like, that's so, oh, it's so fucking sweet. Like, because previously when he said like, they can send everyone in the galaxy, you'll have, you have us. She, instead of that being the thing that is comforting to her, she, she turns around and says like, well, you can't fight everyone. Like yeah. she's being very like Pragmatic. practical yeah. here. She's like, of course, like, yeah, I mean, you're going to be outnumbered at some point. Um, but I love that what is comforting to her is him, him promising, promising. her. Yeah. It, yeah. it feels so, I mean, she's a child, but like, I love that she is shown to be a child and like is, is shown to be smart and capable and logical of like getting herself out of bad situations, but also is able to like still retain her childness and be comforted by just like a promise from like yeah. someone she really cares about. Yeah. Like, it's just so like saccharine sweet. I fucking love it again it's it feels like a her comfort fix that you, you would go find after like yeah a that i would bad like episode or something yeah yeah like you lay you're laying in bed crying as yeah. we all do and you're just like reading this on your phone and like weeping and like we've all been there but like <laughs> but now we get to see it now it's now not i get i don't have to see it in my head i can watch it with it my can't. eyes <laughs> <laughs> yes um very good no it's a very very good ending scene would you like to move on to characters? I would love to move on to characters. You seem to have written a lot. <laughs> um, I, I did write a lot about Omega. I think I've covered a lot of it. Great. Um, but I, again, just to reiterate, I love that we get so much uh, of Omega alone in this episode. We see her without the batch. Um, we get to see that she's grown a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, not that she was ever like um, scared or um, timid, but like again, comparing her to like the peril that she was in in season two with the the Nexu um you t- episode two sorry <laughs> episode like, what? two when are we <laughs> you're like how did you get access <laughs> um <laughs> uh yeah sorry episode two she's the the first time we kind of see her in like actual peril with this uh big yeah. cat creature um she's like pretty uh, upset about it um and uh not that she's not upset here but we get to see that she's grown and that she's like she's a little smarty pants she like she is. manipulates her way out of jail um <laughs> mansplain <laughs> manipulates she girl boss gaslights gatekeeps her way out of jail <laughs> um uh yeah this is the most peril we've seen her in thus yeah. far like true peril and she's still still just so altruistic and so sweet but um simultaneously capable and smart i was just thinking about this but how cute is it that like in whatever episode it is that they um end up finding sid i think it's five right um where they go through you know they give her the calm and they go through her little her little rules and it's like yeah you know always keep my eyes and ears on my surrounding like you know you know if i'm in trouble send for help like all of these my location yes exactly and what exactly she does in this situation is that she like is able to like look around and find her way through situations she's able to call for you know the batch and like even when she's like i don't i don't know where i am but she's like looking around and she's like okay the like keypads look like they uh, are on topoca City. city yeah and and, um b- like coupled with uh what they learn about like that uh the batch learns kind of uh, on their own that the Kaminoans are the ones sending these bounty hunters yeah. they can kind of like i mean we don't get an explicit like this explanation is- of how they find her they but- understand that she's in the lido system but then yeah. like they're like where in the lido system they leave off we don't see them again until they rescue yeah. omega but i i love that i assume that those two pieces of information were pretty important on like yeah okay yeah. there's a defunct 
facility here let's try there yeah. i love that she is so capable and i love that like again we get to see that like that's such a cute little thing that mm-hmm. like you know she did exactly what she was told to do and she exactly you know is able to get herself out of the situation she doesn't even have to stay in the same place she can get herself out <laughs> that was my next note that i i love that we see her get herself mostly out of danger like yeah. she is not the damsel in distress she is not just waiting for them to come pick her up yeah. like she is active she is um successful in getting herself out of most of the danger i mean the only reason that they have to kind of come save her is because her flight pod uh, is malfunctions. Damaged. Yeah. Yeah. But she, she got herself 99% of the way there. Um, and I, I love again, because we have uh, a female protagonist specifically. I love that they did not put her in that box of like, yeah. no, she's just waiting for them to rescue her. And we can talk a lot about previous star Wars films and the original star Wars films and stuff, but something that's always really like, I don't know, pissed me off is the fact that like in, in New Hope, right? Mm-hmm. Leia is just relegated to like yeah. being a damsel in distress and and being She's stuck a cool in character, prison. But she, uh, but she does still get relegated to that role. Yeah, yeah, and that like sucks. And like I don't know, it sucks because Carrie Fisher kicks so much ass. And like I- I'm glad that Leia became like a lot more of like a force in the later movies. But like it- it's nice to see that we are not continuing to treat female characters in that way. And also, that like just a side note, I'm just so glad that we got to see like an like an older Princess Leia too in the yeah in the new the new sequels. <laughs> Carrie Fisher kicks ass. She does. Um, <laughs> now and forever. Um, now and forever, Carrie Fisher kicks ass. Um, we don't have a lot to say about the batch in this, except for obviously what we've talked about with Hunter. They're very auxiliary in this episode. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, as they're scrambling, about, they're putting stuff together. They're trying to. We understand out. what they're up to. Again, we don't necessarily need a bunch of character moments for them right now mm-hmm. because, like, obviously, we're focusing on Omega, and I do think it was like necessary for us to take the time to do this. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about Nalase and Lamasu, um, where it's this shift in plot, see a sort of subplot that we see brewing. Um. We see Nalase. Previously, I think it was kind of like Nalase and Lamasu were kind of lumped into one yeah. uh, unit in this plot. Um, now we see this divide um, where Nalase becomes uh, a character who's much more important than yeah. Lamasu, um, which will herald some things. Yeah, to come. it's. I don't know. It's it's really interesting. I think I said this in like the first episode, but like it, it's not a plot line I ever Mm-mm. predicted for this show, and it's super interesting how it keeps unfolding. And like I'm very glad to continue to see it. That being that, said, this show would like fall a little uh, like kind of flat if we didn't have yeah. this like weird Caminoan subplot. <laughs> yeah, like truly, like it would kind of lose some of its luster. And like mm-hmm. again, it's really interesting that like we last episode was very like empire heavy and this episode was very like Kamino and heavy and it's like weird that they work so well together like mm-hmm. these three episodes right um even though they're like really different and like they are different plot lines but they're woven together so like expertly mm-hmm. and like i don't know it just it works really well and i'm really excited to continue to see these like little tidbits they give us about the Kaminoans and such um, I also want to, this, I just thought of this, yeah. but, um, Nala say is the same Kaminoan in those episodes in season six of Clone Wars, where yeah. we yep, learn yep, about yep. fives yep. and his chip. And she is painted almost as a completely different character yeah. there. She is kind of unfeeling. She is, I mean, these are her pet projects. She's I mean, only concerned about the success of them, right? Yeah. No. And that's the thing too, is like with the regs, essentially they are science experiments, mm-hmm. but Omega is less of a science experiment and more of a person yeah like is to her and like i think obviously there's a connection to be made there with the fact that omega has been her medical assistant for presumably her entire existence um and so there's obviously connection there and like 
I don't know. It is interesting that like even Nalase has changed. Yeah, we we kind of. I mean, she was kind of only served one purpose in those episodes yeah, in Clone Wars, was, but you know, all the but all the Kaminoans were just like kind of dicks truly, in those episodes. Truly, <laughs> truly. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate that we get um, we get to see Nalase as more of an um, empathetic feeling character here, yeah. um, even from the beginning of this season, where she she's the reason that they escape. Right, if it wasn't for her, they could probably still yeah, be on yeah, Kamino. Absolutely. Crosshair would have gotten them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we already talked a lot about Fennec. Um, but yeah, I'm actually really interested to see if she comes back in the next season. Yeah. Because like we've now established her as like someone who has a connection with Omega. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think we see her again. Not in the rest of the um, season. season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. That and like also, <laughs> this is kind of a weird place to bring this up, but like, I wonder if they're going to bring Boba into the second season. Yeah. There's a throwaway line in here about Boba when yeah. they're looking at Cad Bane or no, when they're talking about um, Omega being the only, yeah, uh, it's like in that raw same, genetic material that they have. Yeah. yeah. That same section where they like figure out like who Cad Bane is and all of that. Um, but yeah, like they're like, Oh, he disappeared at the start of the war. I'm like, Oh, we saw him a lot in clone wars. And like, I'm pretty sure he's in prison for a crime maybe. Um, yeah, I think the last time we do see him in clone wars is like he's in, in prison. prison. It's in those episodes called uh, the box episodes. Yeah. It's the box episodes where, where everyone has to go to prison, which is <laughs> escape though. Right. He's just like, no, a he's just character in, in prison. Yeah. yeah. He's a weird Easter egg, a cameo, but he's like eight. Um, <laughs> no, he's, he's older than he's that definitely now. like 10 yeah. or something. No, he's older than that now. Well, like now when this, no, uh, in those episodes oh, he seems older than that yeah he's aged quite a bit since we I saw like him previously with Ara. i don't watch those episodes that much i love um, those fucking episodes. yeah i know i this is that's when he has i don't know he like gets his head shaved or something um yeah because he's in prison because he's in prison and they don't let boys have a long hair prison <laughs> um but yeah i wonder if they're gonna bring him back for some reason it would I, be random but... i did not think about that until you said it i think i was so preoccupied with co- my dear cody yeah i'm very I'm concerned so, i'm so still so i scared. have one fear <laughs> no fear one fear um because it's definitely him in that trailer like oh it's fully for sure him in that him. trailer so i'm sweating um, i would have um really had some major problems if they had not brought cody back honestly in that trailer like <laughs> did you guys fucking forget about yeah, him yeah it would be really funny like this show going forward I without mean, cody yeah like obviously we see him in the season two trailer but like it would be so funny if they're like anyway just ignore him <laughs> yeah don't worry about it um okay shall we talk about themes let's talk about themes um, the only one that I wrote any notes about was Destiny Fate, which yeah. is um pretty pretty clearly like the main part of this. Yeah. We we have some hope, we have some a little bit of good versus evil. Uh but in that everything is good versus evil. <laughs> uh yeah. Um but yeah, we see again I said it earlier in the episode, but we have had a few episodes of the batch confronting their existential uh crises as I thought you were just gonna say existential dread. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I they do that have that. That's yeah. kind of plot A, I guess. Um, <laughs> plot A, existential <laughs> dread. Um, uh, you know, are they soldiers? Are they mercenaries? Um, do they need to be working with this nascent rebellion that's brewing? Um, we get a lot of that, and we haven't had a lot of answers. Um, and then we get this, like, really specific, poignant, uh, almost kind of like a dreading... Uh, looming fate hanging over omega that we just get introduced to which is sort of her it's less of an existential uh problem and more of a um i don't know i like that uh the batch and omega have parallel 
stories parallel almost like destinies and fates they're trying to shirk off or avoid right like i don't know it's it's yeah the the batches existential issues have kind of almost um been that uh you know i'm I'm shirking off my destiny role and and embracing the power of choice yeah um and omega is almost as like she kind of doesn't have the power of choice in this yeah. um like it's not quite that she is sort of still running from this destiny and you i i really uh love the conceptualization of this struggle that's happening over omega between like i mean you have so much fighting happening between bane and fennec and they're they're both working for kaminoans but different kaminoans um one who wants to see her terminated and one who wants to see her live uh and i love the conceptualization sorry i love the conceptualization of that struggle in this fight between these two yeah um and then omega is just kind of flying under the radar for some of it and she gets away yeah uh it's very good yeah i like i like this edition a lot i think it's i don't know what would omega would be really really auxiliary in the lives of the batch like like she would kind of fail to be her own person without this storyline precisely and so it is serving like so much to um further sort of round out the plots happening and like it's wild to me that the it's episode nine right is like Mm -hmm. when we get this but it 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 took that amount of time for us to get here and like it every step of the way was important which is i mean it's lovely to see it's so precise Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's such an important i don't know i think addition i think a, a show without omega having this struggle also that like they could use to relate to each other would be it would be missing something. Yeah. I love too that in the midpoint of the exact midpoint of the season between episode eight, episode nine, you have the badge making this choice again to leave Crosshair for, for Omega to yeah. go after Omega. Yeah. It's very good. It is. Anyway, that's all I have for Destiny and Fate. God damn it. That's good. Um, <laughs> this show is good. It is. I mean, again, it's a the people who made this show are good. good. It's a treat to fucking analyze this show because like everything means something. Like again, things are very parallel and cyclical and wonderful. And like, listen, I don't if you're know. gonna overthink about something, overthink about something that means something. If you're something. gonna hyperfixate on something, hyperfixate on something that's built to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So. Do you want to talk about design? Design corner. Um. Every time we watch this episode, I scream about the clouds. <laughs> um. I am very into clouds um (laughs) true they're just so beautiful i can't stop they're lovely and like again this show is fucking buck wild with its colors and like the use of color and like the audacity that this episode is so soft like i love this i i love uh it's borovio um because it's like the fact that it's like absolutely surrounded by these like big like sherbet colored clouds is like such an interesting choice for a very action heavy episode mm-hmm. um but it feels so nice and the fact that like it really lends itself to the like foggy hallways and stuff like all the yes. atmosphere effects that they've added like it makes so much sense it's really really consistent and like it'd be really fucking weird if it was like um very not cloudy and then there was smoke effects in the hallway you'd be like literally what the like, fuck is going on they just got some air <laughs> they smoke got a machine, smoke machine. Yeah um fog machine yeah that's what i meant um smoke machine. there's just like a bunch of employees smoking in the hall like don't mind us <laughs> taking our 15 minute allotted like, union break uh and they're like cool it's okay it helps our sort of edginess <laughs> happening here um but yeah no i love that they've created you know had to make made these design decisions that uh make how fucking cool this episode looks make a lot of sense um and yeah i like that everything's really soft it's really like daylight lit and then like again we get the huge fucking contrast of like that one scene with omega and fennec by the cloning pods is green right and like i made note of this but like 
the use of the color green in this series is fairly limited. Like we don't see it a lot, especially that like very acidic green. Like everything is usually like blues or like purples, etc. Um, but yeah, interesting green, and it's so stark. And like green also in our visual lexicon has like a very sinister feel to it. Think like every Disney villain ever. Um, but yeah, no, it's really interesting that they chose that, and it feels very um, off-putting in a way in that scene. Like it has a sort of menacing nature to it, uh, which is really, really contrasted to like all of the exterior shots we have of, of this area. Um, I think the only other time we see green a lot is like in, in trees and whatnot. Yeah. It's um, not artificial. Yeah. It's not artificial. And I guess there's a, a um, it means a much more pleasing green when we see it on plants and living yeah, organisms. And, and here, and- yeah. And here it's green. So it's like, okay, there's an organism, there's a bit of organic material, but it's kind of off and it's unpleasant. Yeah, it's really, um, it's harsh, sinister in a way. And I think it's really interesting that like, obviously that, that really does mirror Omega and like, you know, is, um, representing the Kaminoans plans for her. Right. Mm-hmm. Is like, it's really sinister. It's really, um, artificial. It's really like, you know, it, contained in evil in a way, right? And then, like, it's really interesting that, like, they've chosen to have um, Fennec and Omega have a conversation in that area as well. I mean, obviously, it makes sense because Omega drops one of the pods on Fennec, but, like, uh, the there's, like, rim lighting on them when they're talking, and it still feels, like, a little off-kilter, which I think is interesting. Obviously, we're playing with f- not knowing Fennec's full intentions at that point. Um, but, yeah, no, I really like that part, and I really like... This whole episode, despite the fact that it pretty much only takes place in one location, is um, lovely. Absolutely incredible. Uh, there's a bunch of really, really wide shots, like super wide shots, um, with like the clouds and stuff that I think are fantastic. Like especially <laughs> when Cad Bane gets kicked off the balcony by yeah, Fennec. That's such a good um, part. And then there's like a super, super wide shot of him with his fucking rocket shoes coming <laughs> back up. Um, I talked about this somewhere, but I feel like... Uh, it's really funny to me to see older properties that maybe don't use those super, super wide shots because I mm-hmm. think truly that they're like, oh, you want to be able to see the character really, really clearly. Because um, it's all about them. and Yeah. yeah, And like if you're playing a video game, it's like you want to be able to see your own character. And like that's great. But like understanding the scale of things is like such – it's something animation is really, really good at doing because you can do it in a very exaggerated way. Mm-hmm. Um, Disney's Hercules is full of those like super, super insane contrasts with size and scale. Um, and I love that they don't pull that punch here, right? They choose to have their character, Cad Bane, be, like, super fucking tiny on the screen so we get to understand, like, how grand this whole situation is. Mm-hmm. Um, it it know, really just... lends it to, like, clearly they are... T- first and foremost, they are telling a story. This is not about any one person's character. This is not anybody. Yeah. It's, it's about the narrative. Yeah, and, like, absolutely how much the visuals serve that narrative, too. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just, like, it's so gratifying to see, like, that... In, in an episode it just makes it so much like more pleasurable of a viewing experience but like god this the clouds also okay the lighting in the last scene too is like really really choice um it's not anything crazy <laughs> when hunter and omega are talking but like it's really beautifully soft and like looks really nice for some reason mm-hmm. um could have been just like the nastiest overhead lighting <laughs> and instead it but kind of a, feels it's a soft <laughs> scene it's a pleasant scene you're meant to feel comforted exactly right so they like it feels like they're just kind of like really really slowly going past like a star or something you know like instead of like the blue of hyperspace that feels kind of like i don't know it's interesting but it's like we've seen it a lot it feels very like a little more clinical and yeah yeah. blue has like kind of um a clinical yeah 
sort of uh, application to it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I loved, I loved that. It really served that scene really well. So extra thoughts. Um, I kind of already talked about this, but I, I, the found family in this episode is so strong and the, the fucking special payoff that we get at the end is like, again, I've already talked about it. It's chef's kiss, as they say. I'm just so, so pleased (laughs) that they let us have this. Thank you. That they gave this to us. And Jennifer and Dave. And Dave and literally everyone else who worked on it. Big high fives, (laughs) big ups. Thank you. Um, yeah, so that's one of the notes that I made. And I, I just made another one that I, um, kind of just occurred to me, uh, but that we, we get to see a lot of, um, Omega's like true fears here, um, that possibly stemmed from like her time on Camino and like yeah. truly like the rest of her life that we haven't seen. Yeah. Um, just like being around the Kaminoans. But and- I love that th- this is her fear and it's, um, becoming an experiment being in one of their tubes. She literally says that, um, when she's talking to Hunter, that's yeah. what is she, that's what she is afraid of. She's not yeah. afraid of you know any kind of trivial things. Yeah, that's her true fear. Yeah, um, and I I love that they made this choice for a young female character, um, because it's kind of like I'm afraid of being put in a box. I'm being afraid. I'm afraid of being owned by others. I'm yeah. afraid of being, which is like such a relatable fear, especially for like female characters, which like you see frequently in a lot of other. Um, many other TV shows and movies and video games that that um, that's what happens to them, and it is like truly a, a tragedy to a lot of yeah. like female characters that could be really great at some point, but they get relegated to to to, to being the like <laughs> just like oh you're the token woman like yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that just occurred to me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's an incredible thought. I love it. Uh, and I really appreciate that that's how they've informed her character. Yeah. I do really love how they've been treating these, like, young female characters that have been cropping up. I, I really liked um, young Leia in Obi-Wan. Yes. That she just, like, kicked so much ass and, like, had so much attitude. And, like, I don't know. Like, it feels... There's a reoccurring thought I have a lot when it comes to these shows that are all audiences that make, you know, me filled with the warm fuzzies where it's like, I'm so glad that there are young people in this world who are able to see this, right? Like, how wonderful of a thought is that? That was almost my exact thought when the uh, newest trilogy of movies came out, which like, I mean, they're good. Um, I appreciate them. I love that we got a, a female protagonist. Yeah. Um, I didn't particularly connect with her, but I appreciate her nonetheless. But like what got me one day was that it was around Halloween, like the year after this movie came out and the amount of little girls that I saw dressed up as Ray. I was just like, I'm, I was like crying in my car. Like I was like, this is so, and then the fact that like someone, uh, this is after Wonder Woman came out, but someone, uh, tweeted a, a picture of Leia and then a picture, um, general Leia, like in the, yeah newer um in like prequel. last jedi or whatever yeah and then a picture of um robin wright uh yeah. who's princess buttercup and she was like i'm so glad that i've grown up to see the princesses of my youth become generals yeah it's fucking i'm killer. just like uh it's yeah. so good it makes me happy too that like obviously we kind of we kind of got ahsoka right like yeah true and like she i mean part of the reason i fucking bawled through season seven of clone wars was because she grew up into like such an incredible person yeah. right she's like, an incredible protagonist too it's just such a treat ah like i think she's way more relatable than ray not that it's a contest it's no. not a contest but, like, but i love that that we got her too yeah she grew up ahsoka grew up so much in that show and like i don't know makes me super emotional and i love it, it. <laughs> yeah. star wars is good y'all it's good 
Anyway, I think that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be publishing episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so join us next time for episode 10, Common Ground. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and also Instagram and Twitter at The Batch Pod. So if you like story and you like Star Wars, then tune in for the next episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Batch. Bye. Bye.